So have you guys noticed that nighttime pretty much just makes everything worse? Right? If you are in pain, if you are feeling anxious, if you are afraid, that, that darkness only amplifies those feelings. And I know having kids, um, they could have an earache all day and they can, they can muscle through, but as soon as it gets to be nighttime, man, that earache is just all-encompassing. For ourselves, like when we're feeling sick and under the weather, a lot of times during the day, you know, you can, you can handle it. But at three in the morning when you're feeling sick, it is just too much to handle. A crying infant, you can handle during the day. <laughs> but the fourth time you wake up in the middle of the night, you are in tears <laughs> and beside yourself, crying along with that little baby. It's the same for sense of loneliness can be worse at night. Feeling like all the circumstances around you are just piling in. Man, that happens for me as soon as I lay down and close my eyes, right? That, that same sense of, of anxiety, thinking through all the things that you should have done differently in the day or the tough conversations you know you're going to have to have coming up the next day. Right? Nighttime makes those feelings worse. It's the same with fear. Remember in the last house that Vince and I lived in, um, there, we had, uh, there was an addition on the back of the house that didn't have, it was like open exposed uh, beams to the roof, right? And as we were laying in bed one night, it was late at night, we hear what sounds like a 200 pound man dropping onto our ceiling. And then we just hear this thumping as this person is walking around on our roof. Vince and I are both laying in bed, and I, I wake up, but I kind of have that feeling of like, if I pretend to be asleep, then maybe he'll be the one that gets up to like check out what this noise is. And I think he was doing the same thing, kind of hoping that... I <laughs> Right? We don't have to have gender stereotypes, right? He was trying to hope that, that I would like man up and go out. Um, so eventually, I think I was probably like elbowing him enough that he got up, he got out of bed. Um, I think he found a broom and was like holding on to the broom and like going out to, to see. And I'll tell you this I mean, it was so loud on our ceiling. And so he goes out with the broom, and I finally get up enough courage to like follow him out into the living room, and we're able to see out into the backyard. And then what we see is our neighbor's cat <laughs> jumping off of our roof and into our backyard. This cat was not 200 pounds, but he sounded like it in the middle of the night. Right in the middle of the night, when everything is dark, your imagination can just take over and amplify your neighbor's cat into some menacing home invader who's going to try to you know, break in and kill you in the middle of the night. This morning, we are going to be looking um, in, in the book of John, uh, chapter 20, and it is nighttime. It is the evening of Easter. And we find Jesus' followers. They are huddled together in a room at night, and they are filled with fear. 
And before we get all judgy about the disciples living in fear, the evening after they heard the news that Jesus was alive, uh, let's just take a step back and realize we probably would have been in the same place as them. Right, their follower had just been, or their their leader had just been executed, and so they probably had this um, a legitimate expectation that if their leader was killed, that the people around them were probably coming after them too. And so here you've got the followers of Jesus um, in a room, and as we'll read together, it is described as them being behind closed doors out of their fear the fear that got amplified in the night. And so we're going to pick up in verse 19 of John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. When it was evening on that day of the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Father God, as we hear your word, we pray this morning that it would be your voice that we would hear speaking to us. Lord, it would be your shepherding hand that we would experience together as a people, and that it would be your sweet Holy Spirit that would come alongside us, and your spirit that you would breathe within us to transform us and to give us the ability to follow you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have... Um, Jesus' followers, his disciples, hiding together in a room out of fear. You'll see here on the slide, um, the disciples were, were locked away behind closed doors, living in fear. And just as, as a, an aside here, this isn't the main point of the message, um, but this morning I just want to say to us, that Jesus is able to penetrate any circumstance that we're in. The doors were described as being locked, right? The, The disciples had locked themselves away behind these doors, and Jesus appeared in their midst. There weren't any doors that were locked tight enough that could keep Jesus from getting to where he needed to be to meet his people in their point of pain, their point of disappointment, fear. There are no doors too tightly shut for his gracious and powerful presence. Jesus will find a way to get into our midst, even when we're hiding, even when we're hiding. Some would argue that the disciples were in the wrong place, that they shouldn't have been hiding behind closed doors because they just got word from Mary Magdalene that morning that she had seen Jesus alive. And some would say the disciples should have been like out looking for him, right? They just heard that Jesus 
The one that they had seen be executed was alive. And instead of going out and looking for him, they huddled together and closed the doors. But Jesus can find us even when we're not where we should be. Jesus can find us even when we're not actively looking for him. Jesus chooses to look for us, to come after us, to bring us into his presence, to show up in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, and to bring his presence to us, even into those closed-off spaces in our lives. The book of Revelation gives this picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. But I don't know about you, sometimes I don't even have enough in myself to open the door for Jesus. All right, have, have any of you had those, those seasons, those experiences in your life where you know you should be opening the door for Jesus, but you just don't have it in you? For the disciples, Jesus just like, bam, showed up in their life. He didn't stand there at the door knocking. And, and I think the reason for this was that they, they wouldn't have been able to open the door. Their, their fear was all-consuming. They didn't have enough in them to even just simply respond to Jesus. And so Jesus showed up. Jesus just showed up for them. We all need this kind of the presence of Jesus in our lives. Sometimes because we're in a place where we can't even open the door if Jesus knocked, we're too afraid, we're too tired, we're too beat up, we're too discouraged. We just need Jesus to show up, to bring his presence into our lives, to startle us with the gift of the reality that he's right there in whatever it is we're facing. Those times in our life when we would cry out and say, God, I don't know if I even have enough in me to open the door for you. I just need you to make yourself known. I just need you to find a way through the doors, through the circumstances. And it's the same for the world around us. I think we all know people or there are circumstances in our lives where we just feel like the doors are too tightly closed off for Jesus to make it through. But what we see here on this Easter night is that Jesus can make it through any locked door. He can make it through any locked door to bring the gift of his peace and his presence. The people that you think are too far gone, the circumstances that seem impossible, the cultural or political realities that just seem too complicated, the areas of the world that seem too closed off, too locked up tightly, there is nowhere that the presence of Jesus can't be found. God is in the business of showing up in just those kind of places. And that was just an aside. That's not the main part of the message, but I just felt this morning, you know what, we need to hear this sometimes, right? We need to be reminded that that Jesus shows up even behind closed doors.
And so when Jesus showed up in the midst of their fear, through their closed and locked off doors, he shows up and the first thing he does is speaks a word of peace. Isn't he so good to show up in the circumstances that we're going through and to just speak peace? To speak a word of wholeness, to speak a word of life, to show up into our fear, our disappointments, our mourning, when we're sitting in what feels like the ashes and the rubble of our life or the ashes and the rubble of broken relationships, that, that Jesus shows up there and he speaks a word of peace. And we'll come back to this because um, Jesus does this again. He speaks peace a couple times to his followers. And then after he, he speaks this word of peace, he shows the disciples the wounds that were in his wrists. He shows them the wound that was in his side. And then what we see here in the passage is that the disciples, they, they finally see him and they begin rejoicing. Right? They saw him when he first showed up in the room, but it wasn't until they saw the, the wounds. It wasn't until they really saw Jesus when they saw the, the depth of his love for them, when they saw the sacrifice he had make, made, when they, they really beheld who it was that was in their midst, and all of a sudden their fear, their despair, their mourning turned into rejoicing. This is the, the mood of Easter, is, is joy. That when Jesus is here, there, there is joy, a joy that doesn't um, negate our circumstances, but a joy that can come along, alongside anything we're feeling, anything we're walking through. They see Jesus and they rejoice. And then Jesus says again to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. They go from being a huddled group in a room to being a commissioned people who are sent out. They didn't belong here, closed off in a, in a room somewhere, but it was here when they gathered around the presence and the person of Jesus. It was here that they then became a people who were able to be sent out, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live out his calling in the world around them. And so Jesus breathes on them the gift of the Spirit because he doesn't want to send them out alone, but send them out with his presence. So he breathes on them the gift of the promised Spirit, the one who would walk beside them, and he sends them out into the world. We've been uh, going through a sermon series on the six rhythms um, here at Faith Community Church, the, the rhythms of discipleship that we want to, to inhabit as a people. And so this is where we find our final discipleship rhythm, missional living. This is what missional living is all about. It is living sent lives. When Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That's what 
missional living is all about. And so you'll see our, our rhythms have, are uh, being with Jesus, that first and foremost that we are a people um, who experience the love of Jesus and that all of our, our doing, all the activity of our lives, that it flows out of a people who are with Jesus. And you can, you can listen to any of these messages. We've got them online if you've missed any of them. Um, second rhythm is transformation, that we expect that, that as a people, when we are following Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, that change happens, that Jesus transforms us, and he continues that work of transformation every day of our lives. Um, the discipleship rhythm of life together, of being the people of God together, living in, in relationship with one another, a new people that God is forming, people of relentless welcome, that we aren't just a, a, a group that, that stays together, but a group that is, is open and welcoming to anyone that God would want to bring across our paths. And then that we are naturally supernatural, and we see this here in this passage of Jesus giving the gift of the Holy Spirit to his people. We believe that this is the natural way for God's people to live, empowered by his Spirit to meet any circumstances that life would bring. And then finally again here, this, this missional living. Then you saw in that other slide that um, as we've got out on our wall in the foyer, we are a church that wants to follow and love and serve, and we see these discipleship rhythms as, as a way that we can live that out. What it looks like to be a people who follow, um, it is, is by being with Jesus every day and being transformed by him, um, that the way that we love is by loving, learning to love one another and learning to love the world around us. And then finally, serving. Um, we are only able to serve because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we believe that the way we serve is through our ordinary lives. And so these, these two words, missional living, um, come from this idea that, that God has a mission. That God has a mission that he is up to in the world. There's a lot of people who have reflected on it this way by saying that the church doesn't have a mission, the mission has a church. Or, or this way by um, author Christopher Wright, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. And the difference here between God having a job for us to do and God having a job to do and the way he does that is through us um, is, is a big difference. Because the initiative, the power, the resources, the responsibility, the glory, all of that is God's because it's, it's God's mission. It's not our mission. So we don't have to muster up enough um, strength, enough initiative to make it happen because God is the one who is at work and has been at work throughout history. And the way he is at work now in the world is through his church. And so God has a mission. And for his mission, he has a church. There is no power on earth that can stop him from accomplishing his purposes of redeeming and restoring all creation, of making all things new. 
And when Jesus speaks that word of peace to his followers here in this passage, he, he speaks a word of peace that was a, a greeting, just a common greeting that was used, but it was so much more than that here in this moment. Because for the first time in history, this, this gift of true peace is able to happen because Jesus has conquered sin and death and the kingdom of God has been inaugurated on the world. We see echoes of new creation happening when Jesus speaks this word of peace. And then also when he breathes his spirit, there is echo here of, of creation, of God recreating the world. You think of, of the Genesis account of when God formed man out of the dust and he breathes his life into them. That's what Jesus is doing here with his followers. He is recreating humanity. The, the work of God, the mission of God in the world to redeem, to renew, to create anew is happening and it's starting now as Jesus breathes life into a new people. It's like saying God, God did a work of creation and now in Jesus he is doing a new work of recreating everything that was broken, everything that was touched by death. God is doing a new work. So he breathes his breath of life into his followers, causing what was dead to be made alive. If God's mission is to redeem the world and to restore it to its intended purposes, then God's church has made new people, people that have been breathed into with his life are sent into the world as his partners on his mission to redeem and renew everything. God has a mission to redeem and restore and the way he is at work is through sending. And that's why Jesus said that as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Over 40 times in John's gospel account, Jesus is um, described as being sent by the Father. Like that, is, that is God's primary way of working in the world, is by sending. See the, this um, quote that comes up on the screen from the book Church's Movement, and in this book, um, the authors describe it this way. They say, The Father sends the Son into the world and inaugurates the kingdom. The Father and Son send the Spirit into the world to continue their work. And the Son sends the church into the world through the power of the Spirit so that we can join our triune God in the renewal of all things. God is at work in the world, and his mission, the way he accomplishes this, is by sending. He sends the Son, he sends the Spirit, and he is sending his church into the world so that we can partner with him in the renewal of all things. The way we are sent is modeled after the way that Jesus is sent. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And I've got a, a list here that is not exhaustive by any means, um, but a list of, of the ways that Jesus is sent and um, that we can find here in the book of John. 
Um, and, and first and foremost, that the, one of the primary ways he is sent is by being one with the Father. Jesus constantly in the book of John talks about the fact that I and the Father are one. And then he talks to us, his followers, and says to remain in me. Right? Just the way that, that Jesus remains in the Father, that we are to remain in him. And this goes back to our, our first discipleship rhythm of being with Jesus. That if we're going to be a people who are sent into the world, it's, it's got to be patterned after the life of Jesus. And what we see in Jesus' life is he remains with the Father. That his life is so entwined with his Father's. He and the Father are one. And we as a people, we don't want to replace a life with God with a life for God. And it's so easy to have that happen to replace a life with God with a life for God, where we're busy doing all the right things in the world around us, but we lose connection with the one who is the source of our life. We also don't partner with God and his mission out of an obligation, right? It's, there's no shoulds or oughts, because that's not sufficient motivation, the drive will only last for a short time if we're living missionally, if we're living as God sent people, partnering with him, him out of a sense of duty or obligation. But instead, what we see in Jesus' life, not a man who is simply doing the will of the Father, but, but a man who knows just how much he is loved by the Father, who, who, who finds his very source in his relationship with the Father, and that it's that that causes him to be able to live a sent life. That Jesus was, was sent out of God's love for the world. John 3.16 is probably one of the most uh, well-known scripture verses, and I think because it's so well-known, we can tend to think of it as, like, that's the Bible verse that you teach, like, kids in elementary school or preschool, right? We think it's a little too simple and we, we gloss over just how, um, just how profound it is that God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his son. And he, it goes on to say in the next verse that, that Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world, but to save it. And so the way that Jesus was sent and the way we are to be sent as well is out of this reality of God's deep love for the world. It's not God's anger or his judgment for the world around us. It's not because God is so fed up with the world that he sent Jesus to set things right. It's that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And if we're an extension of that sending then the way we're sent out has to be with that same reality. Man, every person I meet is deeply loved by God. Those people that are frustrating and annoying, they are deeply loved by God. The people that I strongly disagree with the choices they are making, they are deeply loved by God. That family member that keeps hurting and disappointing you, they are deeply loved by God. 
if we're going to partner with God and his mission in the world, this has got to be the, the ground floor for us, that it's all because of love. Another thing we see about the way Jesus was sent, it was, uh, it was obedience to the Father. In the book of John, he talks a lot about, I, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say the things my Father tells me to say. That, that his, his sense of, of being in tune with the Father and what he was up to, uh, that, was, that was the mode that he operated in. That was his strategy in the world was to do what my father is doing and say what my father is doing. And so if, if we as a people want to partner with God and his mission in the world, it's going to be that, that same posture of obedience to the father, of saying, God, it, it can't be our own strategies and our own good ideas. It, it's got to be based on, on hearing you speak to us and then courageously following when you say go. I heard a pastor reflect on, um, in the book of Acts, when we see the, the early church, the early Jesus followers, um, that they were really good about this, about moving when they heard the Spirit of God tell them to go, and then not moving when they didn't hear him. And so in the times when they, they didn't hear him speak, they, they waited, and in those waiting seasons heard this pastor reflect that, that the two things the people of God did while they were waiting is they prayed together and they ate together, right? And so for us as a, as a people, when we're, we're wanting to do what God is calling us to do, but we're in a season where we don't know what that looks like yet, the best way we can wait is by waiting together in prayer and, and spending time with each other. And trusting that as we do those two things, that together we're going to hear the Spirit of God saying, go this way. We'll hear the Spirit of God giving guidance and direction. So Jesus was obedient to the Father. Um, another way that Jesus came was by being incarnational. And this is just a, a fancy church way of saying that, that God is Emmanuel, God with us, that he came and and took on our flesh. He came to, to be one of us and to be with us. He crossed boundaries. He moved near. He dwelt in proximity to us. He made his home among us. He, he settled in and came close and didn't keep us at arm's distance. I mean, God is powerful. He could have he figured out a way to to do his work in the world, to do his mission in the world, without having to have come close and, and gotten messy with us. But he chose to do his work of redeeming and renewing the world by getting close, by drawing near. Our sentness, in our sentness, in, in, in our following after Jesus, proximity matters. Who are we moving towards? Are there certain boundaries we don't cross? So we, we think of who do we spend time with? Are they people who are similar to us? Similar stages of life, socioeconomic circles, similar political viewpoints, similar lifestyle choices, similar ethnicity or religion? Jesus crossed 
all those boundaries. And so if we want to to follow in his same way of living in the world, we're going to have to be people who cross boundaries as well. That that we open up the circle of, of who we are close with. That if, if Jesus came near to us, that we are people who draw near to others. And then finally, and this one is like the, the hard-to-sell one, um, is the way Jesus was sent was in suffering. Right? Like this is not one of those like, hey, come follow Jesus and things are going to be really great for you. Um, but in fact, what we get in Scripture is a promise that if we follow Jesus, like if, if we really do believe that we are sent the same way he was sent, a big part of his sending was suffering and sacrifice. Um, but I don't know about you, I, as much as I know this, I am always blindsided when the suffering happens, right? Like I'm always so shocked and surprised when there's sacrifice involved and pain. It's always this like, God, where are you? What did I do wrong? What is going on? But we shouldn't be shocked, right? Jesus, Jesus promised a lot of times that, you know, like, hey, you know the world hated me? Like, eh, they're going to hate you too. <laughs> but a little caveat on this, we don't want to be a people that the world hates because we're jerks, <laughs> right? Like, if, if people hate us or if there's a, a level of, of sacrifice or suffering that we experience, it should be because we are living like Jesus and not because we are people who are trying to hold on to our own rights or our own power or just generally being jerks in the world, right? <laughs> right? There, there is a suffering that happens because of following Jesus. That's just, that's just the nature of his work of redemption in the world. Redemption and, and renewal, rebirth, like there's, there's pain in that. But it's a, it's a redemptive pain. It's a redemptive suffering. It's, it's not a suffering um, for, for death and destruction. It's a, it's a suffering that brings about new life. And so, yeah, that, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't go through this list of, like, looking at how Jesus was sent without talking about, like, I mean, suffering and sacrifice is, is an expectation for us. And so when we do experience it, um, that we're not a people who are, who are caught off guard. That we're not a people who are so derailed when, when pain and hurt comes along. Um, but instead, we remember that, that this is the way Jesus lived in the world. That his, his suffering was, was for us. That it was for the, the joy that was set before him that he, he endured the cross. And that in our suffering, to remember that God is, God is doing a good work and that he hasn't left us alone. He's walked this same road that we're walking, and he will empower us and sustain us through it. And so practically speaking, um, what, does, what does missional living look like for us? You know, these are, these are some of the markers of how Jesus was sent and how we are sent, but practically speaking, 
uh, what does this look like? I love how I heard one church describe um, this. They said that the church scattered consists of agents of God's kingdom undermining everything wrong in the world today. Isn't that really cool? I'll, I'll read it again. The church scattered consists of agents of God's kingdom undermining everything wrong in the world today. That when we look at the world around us and we see the areas and the spaces that need redemption and renewal and recreation, that that's, that's what missional living is all about, being a people who are sent out into the world to be agents of God's uh, disruption of pain and suffering and death around us, to be a people who bring about new life. And so practically speaking, um, I've got three words for us. Walk, see, and pray. Walk, see, and pray. That practically speaking, missional living looks like, like walking. Like just walking about our regular lives. Your, your everyday lives that consist of, of work, family, friends, school, your kids' school, are our everyday lives that, that we live as a sent people in all of those areas, in, in our hobbies, our family, our, our vocation. You've heard the phrase that our, our vocation is the location of God's calling on our lives. That whatever it is that your life looks like and your day-in, day-out circumstances, that you are a sent person in those areas. Everywhere you walk. Everywhere your feet go this week, that God has sent you to that place. And that as we're walking, as we're living our everyday life, that we would see, that we would be a people who look for the pain and the brokenness in the world around us. We would look for the needs, the problems, the opportunities. We would look for people who are on the outside. We would notice people who are hurting and who feel far from God. We would notice people who have been forgotten and, and pushed to the side by others that we would simply pay attention, that as we're walking our everyday lives, we would see and pay attention to the people and the places that God has sent us to already. God has, has sent us to people and places already, that we would have eyes to see that, and then as we see, as we're noticing, that we would simply pray, that we would be in conversation with God, about all that we see, right? The, the good, the bad, the, the areas of confusion, the people that we see, that we would be in a conversation with God as we walk and as we see. We would tell him what we see, and then we would listen. We would listen for his voice to tell us what he sees, how he sees the people around us, how he sees the circumstances around us. And then just like, like we saw in Jesus, that we would just be obedient to continue walking now, guided by his voice. That we would be a people who walk, who see, and who pray. 
Because the reality is our, our sentness, this, this idea of living on mission for God, is not primarily an activity that we calendar in. Right? It's, it's not primarily like this extra thing we do in our life. Like, okay, I've got um, an opening like Tuesday at 5 o'clock. My calendar's free. Like, I, I'm going to be sent then. No, our our very life, like who we are, the reality we live in is that we are a sent people. It's not like an add-on. It's not an extracurricular or something more to be done. It's a, it's a way to be. So tomorrow when I pick my kids up from school, I'm sent. When I hang out at the park with some other moms and their kids, like I'm, I'm sent. When I go to work, I am, I'm sent. When I'm interacting with coworkers, I am sent. When I pull into my neighborhood and see my neighbors, I am sent. When my boys have soccer practice, I'm sent. When I volunteer in the community, I'm sent. When I'm sitting around a table with extended family, I'm sent. When I'm running errands, I'm sent. When I'm cooking and cleaning the house, I'm sent. Right? Like everything we do as a people, every, every area of our lives, we are sent. Whether it looks like really spiritual stuff like praying for someone or sharing um, what Jesus is doing in our life, or it looks like going to school or going to work. Like, those are all sent activities. Sometimes this means doing new or more things. Right? Sometimes because of, of walking and seeing and praying, we will have this sense that God is calling us to courageously step into something new, um, a new venture or a new relationship. Sometimes it means doing the same things we're already doing, but just with, with new eyes and new perspective, of realizing like, oh, like I, I am sent. And sometimes it means doing less and intentionally creating margins in our calendar so that the other spaces and areas in our life, we can have more purpose and intentionality. Right? So, so being sent sometimes is looks like doing new things. Sometimes it looks like doing the same things with, with renewed focus. And sometimes it looks like doing less so that the things you are doing, you can have more intentionality behind them. Because we are a seven-day-a-week worshiping people, not just a Sunday morning worshiping people. We look at the entirety of our lives and say, God, I'm, I'm offering all of this all 24 hours, seven days a week to you as, as a sacrifice of love back to you. What do you want to do with this life? And so some, some practical steps that we can take maybe even this week, some, um, some practices that we could live out as a people. Eat with people who don't know Jesus. Like, spend your life with people. Share, share your life. Widen the circle a little bit. 
and, and not because you have an agenda for their life. But because, again, we, we realize God loves the world. <laughs> and, and all the people we meet, he, he, he desperately loves. And open up our lives, because this is, this is a, a unique person that God has placed in front of me, a unique person who's deeply loved by Jesus, and, and I want the best for their lives. Uh, walk, don't drive, which is kind of hard in like a, a, a suburban sprawl, uh, but where there are opportunities for us to, to slow down and pay attention to the world around us, to slow down and pay attention to what's going on in our neighborhood and in our city, that, that we have this, um, this sense about our lives that we're not just zipping from one uh, scheduled opportunity to the next, but it's kind of, we have this pace of life that says, I can, it's okay for me to meander and not be as efficient here because I want to create space to be able to, to see and pray and notice what God is up to in the world. Be a regular, whatever coffee shops, local parks, um, be, be a regular there. We have come to, there's a couple of different parks that we're, we're just, we're regulars there. Like, that's the place we're going to go with our kids. Um, and as we're regulars in those locations, we have gotten to build relationship with people and begin to notice patterns um, or notice what God is doing in the city around us. Again, hobby with people who, who don't know Jesus. Like, you're already doing stuff in your life. Again, this isn't necessarily like adding something on, but again, widen the circle. You like walking, paddle boarding, biking, photography. Um, there's a bunch of other people around us in San Diego that like those things too. Talk with your coworkers, right? Like people that you're spending significant amounts of time with, like more than your family. <laughs> Talk with them. Remember, when I was in college, um, I was waiting tables, which is just like not, I was not a good server. It was like not the right, I didn't get a lot of tips, probably because I wasn't like a super good server. It was not like the, the right career choice for me. Um, but I was working at a, a Texas roadhouse. Um, that's one of those ones that you like throw the peanuts on the floor, and I like clean things, and so it's like, crunching on peanuts on the floor all the time. It's just like, oh, this is awful. And we had to line dance. There was like certain songs that they came on the jukebox. All the servers had to stop and line dance. And again, that is not me. I, I don't know why I took this job, right? But for whatever reason, I took the job. Um, I remember at a certain point just feeling this um, like sense from the Holy Spirit. I feel like he had something for me there. Um, this was in a um, was college town. There was a lot of um, college students that worked there that went to VTech um, out in Virginia. And there was just a lot of what you would expect college students would be experiencing. Um, girls that I worked with that, you know, would come in having gotten beat up the night before. They were out drinking and their boyfriend got rough. Um, just a lot of not good stuff that, that some of them were walking through. I can remember um, just having this sense of, on my way to work, I just started this practice of just praying on my way to work. Um, 
And I wouldn't have to initiate conversation. People just found me. People found me and started sharing about what was going on in their life, their hurts, their pains. They just started conversations with me about um, their own spiritual discovery and wondering. You know, I didn't have to like try to to manipulate conversations. It was just driving to work and praying, and and God created the space uh, for me to to love and to listen to my coworkers. So, talk with your coworkers. Volunteer with nonprofits. I mean, this is this is why. Um, We've been trying this last couple of years here at Faith to have this emphasis on loving where we live, where throughout the year we have intentional opportunities to partner with nonprofits in San Diego who are partnering with God to renew and redeem San Diego, to care for people who are in need. And so we've got opportunities almost monthly that come up for us to be able to partner with these different nonprofits and uh, an underlying um, desire behind this is that as we as a congregation get exposed to these different nonprofits, um, that each of us would begin to discover where there are our passions or excitement or things that we just really connect with, and then that would be able to be an on-ramp for you for, for continued partnership with those organizations. Um, so whether it's, it's a, a partnership with with foster families or the homeless community, um, women coming out of sex trafficking, um, caring for refugees and immigrants, that we would, we would be a people who, who, who part, uh, volunteer with nonprofits around us. Um, and one of those opportunities we have coming up this month is to be able to, to partner with foster families by creating um, celebration baskets for them. So if kids who are in their families are, whether it's birthdays or graduations or a just for fun, uh, that we would create these baskets that are then given to foster families so they can just lavishly celebrate the kids that ha they've welcomed into their homes. So you'll see more information on that at faithsandiego.org. Participate in city events um, and, and serve your neighbors. Just be a good neighbor. And like Vince had shared a couple weeks ago, like, Cook too much food and give it away to your, to your next door neighbor. Go knock on their door and say like, I've got too much carne asada, here you go. And just see, see what happens from there, from there. One way we've got to be able to serve our neighbors together um, is at the Easter egg hunt on April 8th. Is an opportunity for us as a church to just lavishly love Sarah Mesa and say, you know what, here are... 8,000 Easter eggs and lunch and bounce houses and a petting zoo and a train ride just because we love you and we want to be good neighbors. So let's be a people who, who serve our neighbors. And you know, there's a lot of other ways that you can do this. And some of it is going to look different based on your stage of life, based on um, the unique gifting God has given to each one of us, our different personalities. But we are all called, and we are all sent. Just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. God is at work renewing and redeeming the world, and he does this by sending people. Because he so loved us 
There were people that were sent into your life. Right, think of those people who have been the hands and feet of God to you. Like God so loved you that, that he sent those people. And God so loves the world around us that, that he sends the church, the global church. He sends us to be his hands and feet, to be witnesses to the new life that he is creating around us and to be his, his agents in the world, right, of undermining all that is wrong. And so Jesus sends us into every nook and cranny of the world. Every corner of the world, he, he sends his people. And so what are the, the nooks and crannies that God has already sent you to? Who are the people that God has already placed in your life? That is the location of the ministry God is calling you to. This morning we have the opportunity to, um, to come before the, the Lord's table. And just like that room where the disciples were, were gathered together, we get to gather together around the, the person and presence of Jesus. And as we're gathered around the person and the presence of Jesus, as he, he shapes and transforms us, and his, as his life becomes our life, he then sends us out into the world sends us out into the world so that, that his body, his presence, is found in every corner of society. And so this morning, um, as the, those who are going to be here to serve communion as they come forward, I just want to invite you that, that as you sense Jesus inviting you to come and, and gather around his presence, that you would come forward. If this is your first time ever receiving communion or your hundredth, if you hear Jesus calling you to, to come and, and to receive his life, the gift of his presence, that you'd come forward after I pray and, and you just take a piece of the bread and you dip it into the cup and receive. A way that Jesus' followers have, have been experiencing the promised um, unique presence of Jesus with us as we gather together around the body of Jesus, as he fills us and then he sends us out into the world. Because just like the disciples weren't meant to gather together and just stay in that room, right? They were there in that room, Jesus showed up and he sent them out. We too are not meant to be a people who gather together and stay here but we are meant to be a people who gathered together and are sent out. And so this morning, Lord God, we, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of, of your presence breaking in um, to every circumstance. Lord, the, the gift that, that you show up even behind closed and locked doors. When we are, are too tired and too worn out, um, too weak, to even respond to you, Lord, that, that you're the one who takes the initiative and, and you give yourself to us. 
We pray that this morning as we receive the bread and the cup, that we would experience it as receiving you, receiving the gift of your presence and your life in us, sustaining us. And the gift of of you empowering us to go out and embody you in the world around us. So we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your life poured out on our behalf. May we be a people who receive that life. And as you breathe your spirit into us, as you, as you recreate our lives, Lord, would we see you sending us out to the world that you love. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.